SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew here today. We are again going to be going through a live draft in the Underdog Best Ball Championship, $1 million prize pool, $200,000 to first. Uh, and Colin, this week we're we're back at it. We get to select out of the second slot in the draft this time. More more good luck for us getting all those good running backs. Yeah, we, we ran pretty good last week. We got the Mahomes triple stack, and today we get a top two pick, so pretty good there. Obviously, CMC off the board early. I think you like Saquon here as the next pick. I, I do wonder, is there anything with COVID that you put in the back of mind where Zeke, having already had it, is kind of uh, more of a lock for 16 games than any other running back, or do you just take the, the talent and roll with Saquon? Uh, I think that you just got to take the talent and roll with Saquon. Uh, you know, and, and the reason for that is, uh, you know, it, pretty much everyone is is susceptible to COVID at this point, right? Like, COVID's going to happen, and there's not there's not really anything we can do about it. I mean, maybe, maybe you think Zeke is less likely to test positive for the second time or whatever. But, I mean, to me, Barkley is clearly out of Zeke. You know, I haven't projected for more rushes. I haven't projected for more receptions, though I actually do think I have Zeke projected for more touchdowns. But, yeah, I mean, Barkley, to me, is the clear number two. Yeah. One of the big things that happened since the last time we did this draft was Damian Williams did opt out of the season. So that has sent Clyde Edwards-Hilaire way up the draft board. He actually just went at pick 1.4. And I know you were already high on Clyde. Uh, Obviously didn't seem like it was a consideration for you at like 1.2. But at what point do you think the excitement has gone too far? Where would you think about trying to take him in a first round, you know, draft so I think for me, I would take him over Dalvin Cook personally. And I don't I don't actually have it ranked that way. So in my rankings that are up on sportsgrid.com, I have Clyde Edwards Slayer as my number six overall player. There are a couple reasons why I would take him over Cook. So the first is, you know, there is this some um, like small lingering threat that Cook you know, might hold out or not play, or or maybe he's more likely than another player to opt out because he kind of already didn't want to play this season anyway. So I think that's like this very, very small threat. But also, I mean, I just think Clyde Edwards-Alaire has the highest ceiling of anyone not named Christian McCaffrey because he's going to be the lead back for the best offensive football. Like, he might just score 25 touchdowns. Like, that, that can happen. Yeah, definitely within the range of outcomes. So I think that makes sense. And when I'm drafting, it, he kind of falls into that, like, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon type range. But like you said, I think the ceiling of him is a lot, lot higher. Uh, feels like the Chiefs don't like to use just one pure bell cow back. So I still feel like you got to go with CMC. But um, when you pick from the early end of the draft, when you're kind of guaranteed one of those top four running backs, are you typically still going RB heavy in those builds? Or where do you like to target guys as far as, like, the two, three turn coming back at the end? So what's interesting is that not only do you get to take the best running backs when you select in the top four, but you also get to take the best of the second tier of running backs when you're at that two, three turn. So, you know, you can take Austin Eckler, you can take James Conner. Uh, so, you know, sometimes Kenyon Drake gets all the way back to you there at the end of the second round, though, you know, not super frequently or anything like that. I, I think that 
ideally what we'd be looking like to do here is we'd like to take George Kittle if is po- you know if he's possibly there. We'd like to take DJ Moore, but also I I really like taking Austin Eckler there as well. Yeah, uh, Eckler went off the board at two point three, which is earlier than I've seen him go. Uh, I don't think it's unjustified, but a little bit early. But I do think you're right. You know, likely one of Kittle or Kelsey will be there. Most likely Kittle. Um, and then likely top end wide receiver is going to be available there. Would expect DeAndre Hopkins, Julio, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Godwin types to be available at that turn. And then there's probably going to be some running back talent. Not sure, if, obviously not Eckler, but Aaron Jones, James Conner, um, Todd Gurley are the types that typically fall down that range. Yeah, I don't. So when you start with one of the elite running backs, I I actually don't really mind taking Aaron Jones. I don't mind taking James Conner because then that really gives you the freedom to not only, you know, not only are you going to be taking wide receivers in rounds, likely in rounds four and five, but also, you know, rounds 12 through 15, instead of taking Tony Pollard and Chase Edmonds and some of those guys that frees you up to take, you know, Brandon Ayuk a little bit early, LaVisca Chenault a little bit early, McCall Hardman a little bit early. Like I, I, I kind of, I kind of enjoy taking that detour. Yeah. So coming up at this turn, we're two, three picks away now. James Conner, the best running back left on the board. After that, it's probably Todd Gurley and then Leonard Fournette. So it starts to get a little bit dicey if Connor was to get picked. Um, there is some depth of the wide receiver position. Julio, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Godwin are all there. Both Kelsey and Kittle are gone. So um, as far as tight ends, it would be Mark Andrews or pass at that position. Yeah, I think I think we are when you when you miss out on Kelsey and Kittle, I think you probably yeah. just wait. I mean, maybe maybe some chance we were able to take uh, we were able to take Zacherts with our fourth round so, selection. So on the clock now, per the sports grade fantasy football projections, best player I have available is DeAndre Hopkins, followed by Juju Smith Schuster, Lamar Jackson. Not really any good running backs here unless we want to reach on Gurley. Yeah, no, I think I think that uh, I think that you just take uh, DeAndre Hop- Hopkins there. Hopkins. Yeah. So Hopkins, and then we'll have uh, two picks to go. We've got Juju, Lamar, Adam Thielen, Kenny Galladay types left there. And then, like I said, at running back, it's pretty dicey. It's really Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon. If we want to go running back, otherwise we probably wait for, or Chris Carson, I guess. Otherwise we probably wait for the next go around. Yeah, I think that waiting for the next go around on running back is probably the the smart thing to do. You know, we can take Chris Carson there. Uh, we can maybe think about taking Devin Singletary, Raheem Mostert. Look at those guys. You know, uh, a little bit later on, I think the 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 best selection when you've already anchored your squad with that elite running back really is to take a wide receiver there. So whether that be Kenny Galladay, whether that be Mike Evans, whether that be DJ Moore, whether that be Smith Schuster, I definitely think that is the way to go. Uh, but we are going to go ahead and head into a break here real quick on the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. We will return in just a moment and uh, continue this draft in on the other side of break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. 
All right, everyone, hello and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV. I am Davis Manning, joined by Colin Drew. We are right in the middle of an underdog best ball championship fantasy football draft. And uh, Colin just made our pick there in the third round after we started with Saquon Barkley and DeAndre Hopkins. Who did we take in the third round? We got Juju Smith-Schuster, so a little bit of a wide receiver heavy start, but I think you know two potential alphas and two guys that I think are interesting for stacking. Uh, just because I know pretty high on Kyler Murray in general. And then Big Ben provides like a, a late QB that you can get really cheap. So I think it's pretty interesting there too. Yeah, so I really like taking Smith-Schuster, obviously, in the third round, not only because my projections like him, I think he's a fantastic talent, but he is one of the early wide receivers that you can draft, and you end up having his stacking option be really affordable. Same is true for A.J. Brown. Same is true for D.J. Moore. And I think that is a hidden value in these tournaments. Yeah, so come, we're coming up. We've got the 4-5 turn now, picking at the tail end of the fourth round. The best tight end the board right now is Mark Andrews at wide receiver. We've got Tyler Lockett, DJ Chark, and then at the running back position, it's Leonard Fournette, David Montgomery type of builds here. So we've already got one running back, two wide receivers. If Andrews slips, I think it's a pretty decent value. Um, otherwise, looking at like a Lockett, Fournette, David Montgomery type. Is Zach Ertz still on the board as well at, at tight end, or or did he go before Mark Andrews in this one? Yeah, Ertz is here as well. So he's ADP of 49.6, so it's r- roughly where he goes. So I think the right way to go about things here is take one of Mark Andrews or Zach Ertz. You know, pretty much all the stuff we know about best ball win rates and the type of teams that tend to make runs in these championships is that they have elite tight ends of of some variety on them. So I think we I think we go ahead and take whichever one of those guys is there. And, uh, you know, I, again, a lot of our research shows that going RB heavy does tend to be better. I, I think that taking Singletary or, or uh, Montgomery in the fifth round is fine. Yeah, I guess the other guy we could potentially take is Raheem Mostert. And I know there's some questions with Tevin Coleman that kind of got brought up this week and whether or not he would be... Uh, you know, considering opting out given his sickle cell issues and his, his kids. So I get Raheem Mostert, Dave Montgomery, Devin Singletary, the, the running backs available. Um, yeah, I mean, so there also is a little bit of a, there's a, a little, a small, a very unconfirmed rumor around out there that Tevin Coleman has more incentive than the average player to opt out of the 2020 NFL season or, or to uh, miss some time for the 49ers. So I, I, I've actually kind of found myself going the other way on Mostert and being interested in him. Yeah, so I might be a little reach, but did grab Mostert there as our second running back. So we uh, did we did we grab the tight end as well? Yeah, so Andrews had went two picks before we went, so Ertz was clearly the, the best tight end left on the board. Um, right aligned with ADP, so not like a huge screaming value, but you're kind of seeing like a two or three round drop off. If you don't grab Ertz there, then you're really looking at, you know, possibly waiting as late as the 10th round to grab a tight end where like the Mike Jasicki types are going. Yeah. So you, you have to make, you have to make that leap. And, you know, one of the things that we know historically about fantasy football for sure is that those mid round tight ends are just often guys who were overly efficient in the prior year. So, you know, they're just guys who we expect their performance to not end up being all that repeatable. So, you know, guys like Darren Waller, guys like Tyler Higby, guys like Evan Ingram, you know, really those tight ends that are going rounds five through eight tend to be like historically very bad bets. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, Ertz, I feel like I'm a little bit lower on the market just because 
feel like each year Dallas Gadara gets progressively a bit more involved, but there are just so many targets, you know, to go around in Philly and, and nobody to take them up that really has talent. So I, I would expect both of those tight ends to actually be able to produce really good se- seasons this year. Yeah, I mean, right now in Philadelphia, Alshon Jeffrey is on the physically unable to perform list. Uh, Marquise Goodwin has opted out of the year. Deshaun Jackson has not played a fully healthy season uh, in since, uh, since 2016 and, and is, I believe, now 34 years old. So, like, they're just really overall, there are a lot of reasons to think that Zach Ertz is probably in line for another 140 targets or so. Yeah. Our next pick will be at the tail end of the sixth round, so right around pick 70. I think the the Yahtzee position is we're really hoping that Kyler falls down that far because his ADP is like right there, 69.6. If he does fall, then we're able to grab him to pair up with Hopkins, get a nice stack there, potentially be able to add even Kirk later or Andy Isabella super late in the round. Um, but if, if Kyler's not there, I think we're probably waiting on the quarterback position and probably continue to build out at the running back and wide receiver positions. Yeah, well, we also, so we have Zach Ertz, so Carson Wentz now becomes a stackable option for us, a guy that our projections think has uh, some rushing upside that's not necessarily being accounted for in the markets, you know, 100% or anything like that. So I I, I, I mean, I, I think that the, the turn we're really hoping for here is probably uh, Kyler Murray and then Michael Gallup. That seems uh, most optimal. Yeah, Devontae Parker, Stefan Diggs, both wide receivers that are still on the board uh, that potentially have as much upside as Gallup, um, at least probably bigger roles in their individual offenses, but less productive offenses overall. Those guys could go before we pick next anyways, though. Yeah, Diggs. Diggs is a guy that I have been taking more and more recently, as I've seen that uh, our friend Sean Siegel from Rotoviz has been super interested in taking Diggs. So someone I've been I've been uh, bulking up in my profile a little bit. Yeah, and the running back at this point of the draft really becomes thin. I think like J.K. Dobbins is one of the more upside plays that's available, but a guy that like probably won't have the majority snap share in his backfield. And then you have. Tariq Cohen, Philip Lindsay, like Sony Michelle, Alexander Madison, guys we would like to take closer to like the ninth, tenth round versus the sixth, seventh. So it's probably going to be a Kyler and then a wide receiver position for us here, just given the running backs that are available. Yeah, I mean, this is we are we are in the heart of the running back dead zone where all the guys being drafted here are basically historically super bad bets and way overvalued. Yeah. So yeah, and Gallup just went off the board as well. So. Um, we're three picks away. Kyler is still there. At least one of the teams that's picking before us. Two of them actually have already taken a quarterback. So there's really only one guy that's a threat. Oh, Dobby just took his second quarterback. Sniped us with two quarterbacks in the first six rounds, Davis. You hate to see it. You you really hate to see it. That's, of course, you know, that that is the one of the, the big so, pains of drafting in these tournaments. So we probably just got to hammer wide receiver here. Yeah, so wide receiver is pretty dicey right now as well. Like, it's Debo Samuel, Anthony Miller, Brandon Cooks, Julian Edelman, um, Deontay Johnson, Christian Kirk, I guess, would be a reach. might make sense, but we don't have Kyler, well, so it's tough I think, to go to. I think, uh, I think, well, also, we could take our second tight end here as well. You know, we could take Evan Ingram or, or Tyler Higbee as well. Yeah, Ingram's off the board. I feel like it's a reach spot for Higbee. Um uh, yeah, this is this is why you take quarterbacks here because this the, you don't feel good about collecting <laughs> anyone here once your once your quarterback gra- goes. I'm, I'm gonna grab J.K. Dobbins as the running back. Not not optimal. Don't feel super good about it. But now we've got to regroup. 
We've got uh, the wide receiver. We've got to hit Debo Samuel, Anthony Miller, Brandon Cooks, Julian Edelman, Deontay Johnson, Christian Kirk, Jarvis Landry, the top guys on our board. Uh, so I, I, um, so people kind of got scared about Jarvis Landry with this report that he might start training camp on the physically unable to perform list. But I sort of read this. I, I actually heard uh, Pat Crane and Peter Overzet discuss this last week that actually he's ahead of schedule relative to where the team thought he was going to be. So it's not that big of a deal that he ends up on the pup. So I, I'm actually cool with Jarvis Landry at this upcoming selection. Cool. So it went Cooks, Edelman right before us, and then we've got Jarvis Landry on the squad. Yeah. So you're you're never fist pumping Jarvis Landry, right? Like you never <laughs> you never. I mean, maybe maybe some people out there are fist pumping Jarvis Landry, but uh, I I am never fist pumping Jarvis Landry into uh into the lineup. So he's just he's just one of those guys you add, you feel okay about it. You're you're never super pumped about it. Yeah. What do you what do you think about this guy Dobby who sniped us? He took Patrick Mahomes with pick twenty nine and then added Kyler with uh, with his last pick, pick sixty eight. So he took two quarterbacks in the first rounds. I mean, it just feels like it's a waste of a draft pick on Kyler, just because like how many weeks is he really going to outscore Mahomes to to a degree that it matters enough for your team? I guess it's okay if you advance and you get to that like the playoff round, but it feels a little reachy once you go Mahomes. I feel like you need to wait past like the tenth round for your second quarterback. Yeah, I I mean I don't love it. I think the only way that's excusable is if he has Kelsey uh, and or Tyreek or both of them, or I mean I guess Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and then and then throw and you know if he doesn't get Kirk, then I basically think that this team is is just a donation, like no, no point in doing it. But we are going to go ahead and head into break here real quick on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. When we return, we are going to continue our live underdog best ball mania championship draft in a few moments. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I am Davis Maddox, joined by Colin Drew. We are smack dab in the middle of a live underdog best ball mania championship draft uh, if you guys want to join you know you can continue to draft in this tournament where there's two hundred thousand dollars to first place colin and i are drafting our team that uh that we hope uh can get there can you recap the team for everybody yeah so right now we we went we had this overall pick in the draft we went with saquon barkley uh for the second overall pick pretty easy decision there and then at the turn, there were a bunch of guys we were hoping might fall, but they went off the board. We ended up with DeAndre Hopkins, Juju Smith-Schuster. So two potential alpha wide receiver ones, uh, depending on how Hopkins acclimates with his new team. And then the depth picks that we got at the next two rounds, that running back wide receiver, Raheem Mostert, J.K. Dobbins, and then Jarvis Landry. And then we've got Zach Ertz as one of the top five tight end targets that we have this year. So pretty good tight end start for us. So we are probably hoping in rounds 11 and 12 to go quarterback, right? We're going to take Carson Wentz, and we would like to get Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, running back, we're we're definitely going to be hoping with J.K. Dobbins and uh, the wide receiver room coming together uh, a little bit here. And, and probably James Washington, a guy we will be interested in later as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think this pick at 9.11 um, – or 8.11, sorry, is a potential 
Spot, if we want to reach for the Wentz stack, because I don't think he's going to make it back to us. So if we do want Wentz with Ertz and then potentially somebody super late at wide receiver for the Eagles, then I think this would sort of be the, the range we'd be hoping to grab him in. Uh, yeah, so that that you do make a good point. You know, we like uh, I, I also really like Jalen Rager. And I think that he is a good add with the Carson Wentz stack, especially when you think about how things are going to go. Uh, you know, in the in the back half of the season, you know, the final eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. So when you like a guy like Rager, if you're going to grab uh, Wentz at like eight out of eleven, do you reach on Rager, or is that somebody that you would hope to get like closer to his ADP, which is like one ten? No, I would. I, I mean, I just think you have to reach to complete these stacks. I think that the expected value of the stack when it hits, you know, just so far and away. Uh, beats the value of like, oh, you know, I, I got sick. I, I got eight spots of value here with Rager. Yeah, that's fair. Someone else actually felt the same way about Rager. He actually went at pick 8.6 in this draft. So we're uh, a couple picks away as long as we don't get sniped on another quarterback. Um, I think Carson Wentz is the pick at 8.11. And then we'd be looking at either adding a tight end, wide receiver, running back at the 9.2. Yeah, uh, I I mean nine dot two again is a is a disgusting spot for running backs. Uh, though you know the fact that the fact that we have Mostert and the fact that we have Saquon Barkley means that we can actually we are free to draft more contingent value guys like Tony Pollard as opposed to the uh you know the the guys who are going to get some passing down work like yeah. Tari Cohen, which I I like. So the top running backs available right now, Philip Lindsay, Zach Moss, Sony Michelle, Alexander Matson, Keyshawn Vaughn. And then at the wide receiver position, looking at Anthony Miller, Golden Tate, Rashad Perryman, Mike Williams types. And then at the tight end position, if we wanted to add more depth there, you have Hunter Henry, Mike Jasicki, Austin Hooper, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson types available. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I mean, none of these names sound yeah. all that inspiring to me. Like, I, Not, I think I would probably aim to, like, start our, our zero RB cadre here. But I'm I'm cool with, like, Mike Williams or or uh, uh, with a quarterback as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to probably piss you off with this selection. But I'm going to take Sonny Michelle, who I think could have a big season if he's healthy. Uh, I think regardless of whether or not Cam Newton starts and plays the majority of snaps, the Patriots are going to continue to rely on the ground game. You're not really paying a premium for Michelle at this point, and he's definitely one of the goal linebacks there. Probably never going to be a guy that's involved in the pass game, but I don't think there are really guys that are you know going to be alpha running backs of this you know spot of the draft anyways. Um, I mean, Sonny Michelle, of course, can be an alpha running back, right? And we've seen stretches where he's been that guy for New England. The reason why, you know, even as a projected lead back, you know, the, the public, they are thirsty for running backs. They want they want any excuse to draft a they want they want any excuse to draft a a running back early and they can't even get there with Michelle. I, I actually don't have any concerns about Michelle's role. I think that running running backs generally benefit from playing with running quarterbacks. But I, I just I just hate drafting hurt players. It's like my biggest pet peeve in fantasy is drafting players who are already injured. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's fair. Um, what is your general stance in these types of formats on, I don't want to say handcuffing, but taking two guys from the same backfield, particularly if you're able to get them at later RB, or later um, ADPs? Do you feel like as you get to like the 13th round, you're considering someone like Damian Harris, knowing that you're all but guaranteed to take over like the lead running back of the Patriots offense? Or would you rather 
like take a shot for two separate home runs and avoid guys that might compete for touches. I I basically never want to take guys in the same backfield. So like the smaller the the amount of people you're beating you're trying to beat is the better it is so like for example the drafters best ball championship that has like literally like one fourth the field size of the underdog championship i actually think you can kind of get away with it there i i just think you want to try and maximize the the um the ev you're getting from every roster spot yeah yeah i think it's it's pretty interesting i know we had had some best ball tools last year that showed that uh kind of playing guys from the same backfield actually generated higher win rates and um, not necessarily handcuffing, but playing guys that, you know, you were able Both to get, get at, points. Yeah. And you're essentially guaranteed to get points out of one of them on a week to week basis. Like examples of that would be David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen. You're almost always going to get like 10 plus points out of one of them, just depending on the game script. And um, so I, I wonder about that. I also just wonder with like the COVID this year, expecting to cause more disruption to, to teams and rosters, whether or not having sort of some redundancy there is another angle that kind of helps smooth things out and what could be a pretty tumultuous season yeah i mean so that is that is a very interesting point like at the end of the year are we are we going to be surprised if in the underdog best ball championship you know the team that drafts miles sanders and boston scott ends up winning the whole thing because they don't sign a veteran running back and and scott just smashes win uh in weeks 13 14 and 15 when miles sanders is on the, the covid 19 list like no, I mean, they, I think you can throw some of the rules definitely out of the window with uh, with the COVID stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's kind of how I feel. I definitely don't want to reach to make it happen, but if you're getting someone at like a fair value, I feel like it does add some interesting elements. Um, at ten to eleven, we're up at a zone where the quarterbacks start to go off the board a little bit. Cam Newton, Daniel Jones are still on the board at quarterback, as well as like Aaron Rodgers. And then Big Ben, who would be a little bit of a reach for ADP, but would let us complete the stack with Juju. Um, and then at the running back position, you're looking at some zero RB targets, either guys with decent floors, but maybe not upside like Tariq Cohen, or then taking a shot on someone like Zach Moss, Karrion Johnson, um, Darrell Henderson, Boston Scott types. Uh, I mean, I, I think that probably... I, I know it's so nitty, but I, I probably take what, you know, our, our running back here, you know, Boston Scott, Chase Edmonds, Tony Pollard. I probably take them there. And then I probably take Ben with our with the, the second pick on the wrap, just because like it, it really is hard to explain the the value trade off of like, oh, I just drafted Juju Smith Schuster in the third round. I didn't get Ben. I now I yeah. feel like this team is the, just a donation. Yeah. The to other charity. option would be to grab like our last tight end with like a Noah fan, Austin Hooper. I like I like Noah Fant. I, I I'm cool with either of those distinctions. Cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab tight end with with Fant. Give us a little bit of upside there, um, and then I guess we'll try to grab Ben with the eleven dot two. Yeah, I think I think that is I think that is uh, the right strategy. I actually just wrote up Noah Fant as uh, I just kind of took a look at him, Hawkinson, Gasicki, and Jarwin in an article on sports grid this last week. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's the guy that you want fan. That's the guy. I, yeah. I guess the other option we could get Baker Mayfield would be the other quarterback that kind of goes in the same range as Ben younger guy. Um, and does pair with Jarvis Landry, but not necessarily the number one guy in their offense. So normally the way I think about stacks is I just, I want, I want my stacks to represent the picks I spent the, the most amount of, equity on which would be smooth shooter over landry so i want my i want my stack for my expensive wide receiver 
yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think there's a chance that even though we didn't spend a lot of draft capital on him, that Landry does end up as the number one. We did go with Big Ben there, but I think with some of uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s comments on whether or not the NFL should be even having a season, like it definitely puts into question you know, his frame of mind heading into the season. Uh, not suggesting he'll necessarily opt out, but um, if things don't go smoothly, it seems like a guy who's not necessarily fully bought in. But uh, we did go with Big Ben to complete the Juju stack. And I think you probably are right there if, if what you're really looking for is Juju to have an outside season, you know, to outsize side season to pay off his ADP as like a second rounder. And therefore, Big Ben would have to have a pretty good season in that regard. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, and and also in terms of Big Ben and Smith-Schuster, I think that those two guys specifically are so linked. I don't think that Smith-Schuster can have a great year if Big Ben is just okay. And I don't think that Big Ben can have a great year if Smith-Schuster is just okay. Like, I think that those guys are basically 100% correlated in terms of their ceiling. Whereas, you know, I think Jarvis Landry can crank out 100 catches and Baker Mayfield can finish as the quarterback 14 and and so basically I basically what happened last year. <laughs> basically, what happened? Yeah, like like I just think that's so much more likely to uh to be the outcome. So uh, what's uh what's our team here through eleven rounds for all the folks? Yes, through eleven rounds, we've got Carson Wentz and Big Ben. So we are done at the quarterback position. Reached about around on each of them. We got Saquon Barkley, Raheem Mostert, J.K. Dobbins, Sony Michelle at the running back position. Then DeAndre Hopkins, Juju Smith Schuster. Jarvis Landry at wide receiver and Zach Ertz and Noah Fan at tight end. I think we probably have to go wide receiver heavy in this build, like probably cap at max six running backs, maybe even five, just because we don't have a great deal of wide receiver depth. You do have to start three wide receivers. Plus you also have the flex position. So because we haven't drafted many wide receivers early, I think we probably need to make up for it with at least a little bit of volume. Yeah, my favorite part of the draft is uh, once you get past the 11th round and you just get to take all of your favorite wide receivers. We have a bunch of targets, uh, LaVisca Chenault, Brandon Ayuk, all of these guys that we all love who are coming up here. But we are going to go ahead and head into break here real quick on the Daily Rotor Hour. When we return, we will continue drafting out our underdog best ball championship team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew. And we are right now live drafting an underdog best ball mania championship team. We have gone through 11th rounds. Uh, we have a very running back uh, high T build so far. We've, we've taken Sony Michelle and Raheem Mostert. So we are signaling, signaling to the rest of our draft mates that we are very high T and not to be messed with, Colin. It's tough, man. I uh, felt like we reached on running backs a little bit, but at the same time, uh, there weren't any of the studs available at the two, three turn when we took the wide receivers. And now we're kind of left with uh, almost like that. We middled our approach to the draft, which I know we don't really like to do. We did complete some stacks, which feels nice. But um, if we want to take a running back, we basically right now have like tree Cohen, Antonio Gibson types on the board. Um, and then it's just total dust kind of waiting till like the, the tail end. Um, but otherwise, I think we're looking at wide receiver. I know you mentioned LaVisca Cheneau. He's still available. James Washington would give us a double stack for Pittsburgh. He's still on the board. 
And then there's some other guys who are kind of uncorrelated to us, but have, you know, higher ADPs and would probably go before we pick again, like Robbie Anderson, Brashad Perriman. So I think kind of what our plan should be here for the rest of this draft should just be in, in our wrap picks, we should take a wide receiver with the first one. And then if there is like a, like a falling knife, you know, if there's a wide receiver who's 15 points past their ADP, we take them. And then if not, we take, you know, we hammer that Darrington Evans, Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Washington yeah. tier of running so, backs. So right now, like Tariq Cohen's like 20 points past his ADP. Um, it's that, or we go with Brashad Perriman, or we reach on a stack like James Washington. Yeah, I, I think we just take Cohen because, you know, again, that that leaves, especially because later on in the draft, you know, literally with our last round pick, we have guys like Andy Isabella and Miles Boykin that both of us like. Yeah. And then for the wide receiver, would you prefer to complete a stack with James Washington? Would you prefer to go with like a more appropriate ADP value like Robbie Anderson, Brashad Perriman, or grab like a guy that I know you like that is upside but could still be available when we pick next like LaVisca Chanel? I think I think you go Robbie Anderson here uh, again, you know, hashtag like him a little bit better in best ball due to how we expect him to be used in Carolina. And yeah, you know, Chenault, uh, James, James Washington, those guys are are probably more likely than not to be there for us when we come back to select in the 13th. Cool, cool. So we've got Bert is ahead of us. He's already taken six wide receivers. Imagine he'll go with a running back. He's only got three of those, but. Um, he'd be the only risk at Robbie Anderson, who is an ADP of 133.6 and is the, the next wide receiver onto our roster, Robbie Anderson. There we go. Robbie Anderson, not a guy I have drafted all that often. So, And one of the things that's so interesting right now is, you know, we have the FFPC stuff with the, with the Football Guys Players Championship. We have uh, the Underdog Championship. We have the DraftKings stuff like learning the ADP pockets on all those different sites and, and how it differs is so funny. And it's also just so it's such a, an interesting psychological experiment to see how, even if a guy is like literally 50 spots ahead on one site compared to another site, like if the guy falls 20 spots on this one site, you just have to take him. Right. Like it just, uh, the, the psychology experiment of the different ADP is hilarious to me. Oh yeah. For sure. I mean, if, if you could be looking at the same guy at pick 70 and if his ADP is like 60 on one side and 80 on the other, your brain just like feels like you have to grab him when, you when he's take pick him. 60. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is. It's um, like we're, we're seeing this now with uh, like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, where some sites have been super fast to adjust his ADP and move him up to like five overall. Whereas on some of these other sites, he's still sitting there in the second round or whatever, because an update hasn't been pushed, you know, whatever, whatever. And yeah, like you're just going to get him on average three picks later there because of like, you know, I, I don't even know what psychological syndrome that is like of like what to call it, but it's, it's overall, it's just hilarious to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the other things you have to make sure you're trying to do is building up a queue. And we definitely fell into that rut a little bit earlier when we ended up reaching on Dobbins just because we hadn't hashed out what a queue would look like. And um, if you don't have a queue, then you're kind of you end up drafting off whatever like the sort order is, whether it's your rankings or the ADP. And you can end up taking guys you don't really like or get stuck with like the auto draft. So right now, our queue is pretty bare. I think we know we desperately need more wide receiver depth. We've only got four wide receivers. I think we feel decent about the picks that we have at wide receiver, but uh, we need a lot more depth. We probably need to do that quickly. James Washington's in our queue because that would give us a little bit of a double stack with Pittsburgh. But some of the other guys we had talked about, like Snow, are off the board. So the wide receivers that are available right now, you're looking at Hunter Renfro, Steven Sims, D.D. Westbrook, Alshon Jeffrey, Denzel Mims, 
John is, Ross. Is Brandon, is Brandon Ayuk on the board? No, he's long gone. Long gone. Long gone, Brandon. So I think we I think we just go James Washington, Hunter Renfro here then at our at our uh well what is that, the twelve thirteen turn? Uh it'll be the yeah, fourteen fifteen. Fourteen fifteen. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think that uh I think that is pretty self explanatory. Hunter Renfro, obviously not ever a guy you're ever um slam dunking in, but you know, he's fine like he's fine. He will he'll he'll have some spike weeks, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. I think um, there are quarterbacks, and as, as you do more of these, you start. there are quarterbacks that are still here pretty late. It's so like Teddy Bridgewater and Aaron Rodgers just went. And I know we have the stack with Juju, so I think that is why we kind of reached a bit on Big Ben. Uh, but, like, objectively, even though we, we're not, like, Aaron Rodgers isn't, you know, a quarterback god, I still think his upside is a bit higher than Big Ben's just, like, Peer to peer, I think it's more likely Aaron Rodgers outscores Big Ben. Uh, yes, yeah, I think that I think that is true. You know, someone who I've really who's really been growing on me as a late round quarterback guy, Jimmy G. Like, what if what if we get like an actual like aerial uh you know aerial assault level 49ers team? Like, they have so many guys who are so fast and talented. Like, I just I think Jimmy G could like kind of crush. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely interesting because the ADP on his wide receivers, like, but besides Kittle, is definitely pretty low. So it's a value stack. Um, and he went in this round, too. Unfortunately, we got sniped on James Washington. So uh, we still got Hunter Renfro. It looks like he's kind of the best ADP pick at this individual selection um, out of the guys in our queue. So I'm going to grab him with this pick, and then we're up again in two. Like you said, this is uh, it's feeling like a, a little bit of a miss from this draft. I feel like a lot of our wide receivers, Jarvis Landry, Renfro. I don't know if we have explosive value, but we at least get kind of some weeks out of them, I guess. So, I mean, the way you the way you make up for that is you just got to you got to get more of them, right? So we stick to two tight ends, we stick to two uh, quarterbacks. We only go six running yeah. backs, especially because we drafted one in the first. So we got Corey Davis, John Ross, Miles Boykin types up right now. I think Ross makes sense for this team because we're, we're looking for someone to add some spiked week potential to, uh, to the Jarvis Landry style, you know, flat line projection guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. So got John Ross. Um, this draft is, you know, not quite as smooth as our, our chiefs triple stack, a little bit of a battle in some of these rounds, but part of that is a function of where we're drafting from. And then obviously part of that is like the ripple effect of once you end up reaching out one position, it kind of causes ripple effects in future rounds as well. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think in our I think in our first draft, what we what we saw was just you know when things break right, you feel really good about your draft. And another thing is, this is uh, I I think there's hidden value in taking a quarterback early. So you know, you take Patrick Mahomes, you take Lamar Jackson, Dak, Kyler, Deshaun, whatever. That tenth, eleventh, twelfth round range where you're so used to just clicking your quarterback to complete your stack. Well, instead, you're taking DeAndre Washington. You're taking Tony Pollard. You're taking Chenault. You're taking Ayuk. Like you're taking a high upside guy that you really like. And uh, you know maybe I need to do some more thinking about this. Maybe there's even more value in taking wide receivers whose quarterbacks go really late, right? So Shark and Minshew, uh, DJ Moore and Teddy Bridgewater, uh, George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo, because it 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 is just uh, giving a little bit more robustness to your position players. Yeah, and some of the guys, if you know, we're not going to be drafting them when we come up at the end of the 16th round, but some of the guys that are still there, like Kirk Cousins, still on the board. Uh, his ADP is 170. Philip Rivers is still on the board. 
Mitch Trubisky and Derek Carr, you start to feel worse about them just because the roles aren't necessarily guaranteed for the season. Drew Locke is still on the board. Sam Darnold is still also on the board. So um, those are some of the guys that have, you know, especially like you think about like Darnold and Cousins, you're getting pieces of the offense really cheap, and then you can stack them with really cheap quarterbacks as well. Um, so if they end up having sort of that Ryan Fitzpatrick type season, you know, we were talking about like what won this last year. And, and that was one of the things that happened was it was both Fitzpatrick and Parker just kind of smashing what their ADPs ended up being. And then just overall good players at the rest of the roster. Uh, Yeah. So that you make, you make a great point, which is that like this, this should be intuitive, but like guys who smash their ADPs by like 10 rounds, but also do so in a correlated way, because then that means that like, you know, you can draft a guy in the eighth round who like only kind of meets his ADP, but just contributes a bunch of weeks to you. Whereas when you're missing on 14th round guys, th- those are just zeros, right? Th- that's just a guy who doesn't contribute scores to you at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, th- I think a lot of times you're going to end up finding those types of players on like bad teams that have to end up throwing the ball a lot. Like, I mean, it's not like the Dolphins had some impressive offensive season. I think they were, you know, 25th in the NFL in total points, but just the fact that they were going so low ended up making it a value. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Devontae, Devontae Parker, Lamar Jackson, CMC, those were the unicorn win rate players from last season. And and we are hoping that we have captured some of those unicorns this year on a, on our team. Yeah, and as we approach the end of the 16th round, we're most likely going wide receiver here just because we need to build out some depth of that position. We've got six of them, but not six great ones. So I think we need to add some more there. Corey Davis still on the board. Miles Boykin. T. Higgins is there as well. Um, I don't I don't love that necessarily, but if Cincinnati does end up throwing a lot with Burrow, like the fact that you have Higgins and Ross there and you're taking them kind of where it's acceptable, I feel like you build in like a little bit of interesting elements there to the team. Um and then you kind of get guys like Mohamed Sanu who fall down to this range, Larry Fitzgerald, guys that I think, especially on this team where we've already taken some like plugs, I don't think those are guys that we'd be looking to take. Yeah, no, I think we want like Andy Isabella and Miles Boykin, uh, JJR, Sega Whiteside, like the uh, Jalen Hurd, like those style of guys, like real, real ceiling shots on, on this team. Yeah. Yeah. And as you think about the teams where, well, the Devontae Parker example, I know we were pretty high on Kenny Stills last season and that didn't end up coming together. But I think the process was right. Like someone in that offense was going to end up being a, a pretty valuable fantasy target. Someone in the Eagles wide receiver corps are going to end up being a valuable fantasy target. And same thing with San Francisco, especially if Debo doesn't end up going. So um, I think I'm going to grab Corey Davis with this first pick just because it feels like the best overall value. But then as our eighth wide receiver on the team, we can grab one of Boykin, Isabella, or JJ Arcega Whiteside. Uh, yeah, I mean, probably, probably Isabella for me. I, I can't stop. I can't, I can't stop. I won't stop drafting Andy Isabella. So what is, uh, what is the, for the people who don't have background with your love with Andy Isabella, what's, what's it like? What, why do you want to take this guy in so many drafts as like the last guy in your roster? Well, he's drafted really high. Like, he was drafted in the second round. He ran a 4.31 at the 40, and he was good when he was on the field for Arizona last year. He just didn't didn't play very much. And uh, my excuse for why he didn't play very much, it's, it's brilliantly simple because you can't really refute it, which is just, like, 18 months ago, the guy was playing football at the University of Massachusetts, and that's a big step up to playing in the NFL. And uh, I also think that 
with some of the limitations of the the COVID offseason, he's going to know the offense well enough to to earn snaps early on. And and his ceiling, if he does hit, is going to be monumental basically right like he's the guy where if he does hit he has the the 2019 dj shark style season yeah yeah that's that's definitely true um we've got the the second to last pick in the draft we're still about a dozen picks away right now we've got two quarterbacks on the roster we've got five running backs eight wide receivers and two tight ends so i think the the only real decision we have to make here is whether or not we want to go with like a ninth wide receiver or a six running back. Generally, I would go with like a, a two, six, eight, two build. But uh, the fact that we're not loving our wide receivers and we do have Saquon, we could potentially roll the dice with like a deeper wide receiver group. Um, you know, I think it would depend for me on on who is there. But we are going to go ahead and head into our final break here real quick on the Daily Rotor Hour. We will see you guys in a few minutes on the other side of break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. I am Davis Manick, joined by Colin Drew. We are on the clock here about to make our last chip our last pick in the underdog best ball championship. And I, I think while we were at break, I talked Colin into taking Lynn Bowden Jr. with our final selection. <laughs> you know, I, I think your your logic made a lot of sense, but at the end of the day, we're drafting off my account. It's it's my money in here he's, until you send he's me He's taking Damian Harris. Damian Harris. I'm going to yeah. add Damian Harris. I mean, I, I totally get the, the play. I think Damian Harris, though, with like, I mean, it's not like the Patriots didn't draft, ingest draft capital in him. He's a guy that we got well past his ADP, which is like 160. Wasn't much interest in him in this draft. And then I think between Michelle and Harris, we definitely have secured yourself at least one really good running back. So this team, not as good as last week's not as effort. Good. Not as good. Uh, and that's going to happen, right? So uh, that's one of the things with stacking when you are making these reaches, when you are making conscious decisions to try and stack and double stack, you are going to find yourself in pockets of the draft where there's just no value or or where there is value but you are not incentivized to take it because it doesn't complete your stack you know you're going to be taking quarterbacks where you want to be taking wide receivers you're going to be taking wide receivers when you want to be taking running backs and uh you know that's why that's why we just got to grind out 150 of these until we until we find the perfect team colin Exactly. And I think we both think between some big contests at Underdog and, D- and DK as well, that there could potentially be some overlay. And so I think we want to be in a position where, you know, we've done a bunch of these drafts when we make a decision that there will be overlay and we're able to kind of take advantage of that, whichever side it's on. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I certainly am envisioning a scenario where, uh, you know, football season's about to start. We have some overlay on underdog. We have some overlay elsewhere. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm holed up in my office. I got I got my phone going. I have my laptop going. I have my desktop going. You know, maybe maybe I have my my girlfriend uh, register an account and uh, and give her some money and tell her to draft off my rankings because football, it, uh, the, it's a it seems to be like a, a full steam ahead train at this point. And I don't want to stop it. I want to get in. Uh, as many of these drafts as we possibly can. So we will be back next week, Colin and I, to draft another underdog Best Ball Mania championship team. We will uh, tweet out the link to the draft before we do it. So if you follow Colin and I on Twitter, you can hop in and uh, do the draft with us. With us, hopefully next week, we uh, 
we're able to complete our stacks a little bit easier and uh, not have to go through as many reaches. Uh, we'll, we'll maybe get a, a million dollar winning championship team here live on air on Sports Grid TV. So we are wrapping things up here at the Daily Road Hour on Sports Grid TV. Uh, for Colin Drew, we are signing off. We will see you guys back next week. Good luck until now. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.